This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. There is a besetting question that underlies all of the things that we've heard so far this morning. The same question that underlies the story from Numbers, that underlies the story from the Acts of the Apostles, that even underlies this beautiful liturgy that we're participating in right this minute. The setting question that underlies this experience of Moses. Moses with the people is exhausted. He's been leading them in the wilderness. They're complaining. He's exhausted. He finally complains to the Lord. What am I supposed to do with these people? And the Lord says, we'll take some of the Spirit that is on you and we'll put it on 70 others and they will share the load of leadership. So they design a beautiful formal liturgy where all those 70 are around in a circle and it's very orderly and it looks as if the way the Spirit of the Lord works is it will come from God to Moses, then down to the 70 and everything will be fine. But as if to show the people from the start that the ways of the Lord are the ways of the Lord and that the Spirit moves where it will simultaneously while there's this lovely orderly liturgy where things are being done properly. Episcopalians resonate with this. Yes. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord spills out onto two people who are not in that liturgy, Eldad and Medad, and they begin to prophesy in the court. Somebody tells tales on that to Joshua. Joshua, who's the keeper of the order, goes and tells Moses, make them stop. And Moses said, no. This is the Spirit of the Lord. Would that all of God's people were prophets. But there's, and there is also this underlying question about how does the Spirit of God actually work? The same is true with the story from the Acts of the Apostles. This very exciting story. The disciples are hiding out of fear. The Spirit comes into the room as Jesus said it would and blows them out into the, into the world. And it looks as if they have tongues of fire standing off the tops of their heads. And they go out and they begin to proclaim the Word of the Lord. And it's a miracle of hearing because there are people there from all over the world and they somehow can hear what's being said in their own languages. It's very exciting, very ecstatic. And underneath this is a besetting question. How does the Spirit of the Lord actually work? And the same is true even for our sweet, much more modest liturgy this morning. You all came ready for festivity. Many of you are in red. I have my flame socks on. I'll be happy to show them to you after the service. Beautiful things just to help bring the energy up at this festivity as we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And all of the wonderful joy that we're going to have in just a minute as we baptize four new people into the life of this community. What a great day to ask. How exactly does the Spirit of the Lord work? Out of all the excitement and all the energy and all the still, quiet gentleness, where is that? I happen to be able to pose that question to a friend of mine on Friday. I've talked to you before about my friend Patrick McCoy a recently retired Presbyterian pastor of 40 years. He happened to be in town, so he and I happened to find ourselves on a boat on Friday. And we were fishing together. And by the middle of the day, it was hot. The fish had stopped fighting. 
and he asked me, how's the sermon writing going for today? He likes to ask me that as a retired man now. He likes to ask me that. And I said, it's going fine, but I do have a question for you. 40 years of pastor, 40 years in this work, all the things you've seen and all the ministry you've done, how do you think the Spirit of the Lord works? How do you know if we're in the presence of the Holy Spirit? And he started with the first and the gentle answer, of course. He said, it's the nudge. A theological term. You can look it up. <laughs> nudge. That spiritual nudge that you've all experienced at some point that says, oh, I should call this person. I should drop an email. Somebody comes to mind. Your heart is open somehow to something that's going on in the world. Maybe you should turn left here instead. Maybe I should sit here in a restaurant and something happens. Some gentle, grace-filled encounter where you have a conversation that is clearly had been directed, kind of aimed by the Holy Spirit in this gentle sort of way. And he said, and that's kind of the mark of it, is gentleness and kindness. And when, when generosity shows up, and when love shows up, and forgiveness shows up, we're in the presence of the Spirit. I said, well, what about a church? How does a congregation, how do you, how do you identify the movement of the Spirit in the congregation? And he said, I don't know, I don't think it's a whole lot different. He said he could count on two, on one hand and have fingers left the, amount, the times he's experienced some huge ecstatic presence of the Holy Spirit. But he can count, he would run out of fingers and toes many times over to count the ways in, in congregations where he experienced love and gentleness and kindness and energy and moving in a direction that is spirit-led. And of course, we continued our conversation and we continued the place where we you have to reference Paul's letter to the Galatians if you're going to talk about how the Spirit of God works. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so soon. Go read it. And Galatians is all about the rules and the role of the rules. Paul says the law. Now how do the rules work? Why do they work? And who's bound by them? And he said the rules are for our benefit. They are to keep us on the rails and to keep us from hurting one another when we are living our oh-so-human life. But Paul suggests that when we're in the Spirit, though, the rules are no longer necessary. Because when you're in the Spirit, you're not going to hurt each other. We're going to stay on the rails. We're going to be living out of a different set of values. So outside the Spirit, we live from the value of self. Paul uses the word, the flesh. And the flesh, from Paul's perspective, is not just your skin. Right? It's not just the stuff that feels good. It is the self. Kind of capital S. You know when the self is running the show. You fighting to get what you want. That's the flesh. And he gives a list. He said, the, he said now the works of the flesh are obvious. He said idolatry, sorcery. What are those? Those are ways to manipulate the divine into doing what you want. Right? Enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrel, dissension, factions. That's a whole lot of words for conflict, right? When we get in arguments and fights with one another, I don't mean good wrestling matches where we're discerning the will of God. I mean arguments and fights about control and power. All works of the flesh. And then, of course, those personal ones where he talks about fornication, impurity, licentiousness, envy, drunkenness, carousing, all just trying to satisfy this insatiable hunger that is inside of us. The thing that each of those have in common is the self, right? When we're in the small self, the, 
they're working to control and to manipulate so that we get what we want. We said that works for us as individuals, right? We know this. We know this when we're living out of that in our own small self. But we also know it when it shows up in a congregation, when it shows up in the life of the church, when it's factions vying for control and power. Who's going to decide? But then he contrasts that with the works of the Spirit, what he calls the fruits of the Spirit. And he says elsewhere, the way you know the Holy Spirit is present is by the fruits. What happens? Does it manifest itself in all these horrible, difficult things? Or does it manifest itself this way? He said the contrast, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When these things are present, we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I think the invitation for the Feast of Pentecost is, is both personal and corporate. We have this personal invitation to think about the places in our lives where enmity, strife, jealousy, idolatry, factions, licentiousness, envy, drunkenness, carousing, all those things exist. And realize that we are now sort of outside of the work of the Spirit. And ask, confess it, and ask God to bring us into the world of the Spirit. And then also to think about those places where love prevails in your life. Where love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, now we're in the presence of the Spirit. Now we are being guided by the Holy Spirit. So you may be like my friend Patrick and me. You may be lifelong people of faith and you can count on one hand and have fingers left of the ecstatic, big, loud, noisy expressions of the Holy Spirit that you have seen. But all of us surely can count the places in our lives where we are living outside of the work of the Spirit. We can identify those things, name those things, confess these things, and ask God to move us gently, gently, or maybe not so gently. Maybe the Spirit has to hit us pretty hard and bring us into the world of the Spirit where there is joy, love, peace, patience, and self-control. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.